0: Welcome to Retro Perspective, the show on the nerd party, where we take a look at all of the movies released 25 years ago this week. I'm Mike. I am John. And today we're taking a look at all of the movies released on June 10th, 1994. Uh, we, we
1: got there. We mm-hmm. got there. We got to June 10th. It's a special week this week, Mike.
0: It is. It is. Yeah. There were three movies that came out this week. And uh, I think, I'm guessing, that we've probably covered all of them, but we'll see. Probably we have, but maybe not. Who knows? The first movie, which came in at number 15 at the box office with $37,000 and an 89% positive rating on Rotten Tomatoes, is Three Colors White. So, this is an interesting movie. Did you watch this? I didn't. I wanted to, but I did not get an opportunity to, um, so I I missed this boat. I I did watch this movie. Um, I've been wanting to see this movie for years, probably since 1994. Uh, I always thought it was a really interesting concept. This is the middle movie in a trilogy called Three Colors. Uh, Mm -hmm. where each color represents a different color of the French flag. So there's three colors blue, three colors white, and three colors red. Blue came out in 1993, and then white came out on June 10th, 1994, and red comes out later on in 1994. So Mm -hmm. I figured now's my chance. I watched blue, and then I watched white. These were by Christoph Kieslowski. Uh, this is the first time I've ever seen any movie by him, but he does like weird stuff like this all the time. Like He did the the Decalogue. I don't know if you've heard of these. Well, it's um, I'm not familiar with its uh, meaning outside of the uh, religious context. The religious context, it's the Ten Commandments, right? Yeah. Okay. okay. So he did a series of ten one-hour movies, if I'm not mistaken, and each one represents a different commandment. Cool. So you can watch them, like, in any order, and then, like, I think they were done for TV, but they've played in theaters. I know I've seen some stuff like the Art Institute and stuff has done things where, you know... You can buy like a a package and go to see them all over the span of a week, you know, like that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's he does he does cool stuff like that. So he did this. He did uh, three movies representing the three colors of the French flag, and uh, blue is the the I guess the order that they're considered in terms of quality. Everyone loves red. They think that that one's the best, right? But mm-hmm. blue is is way up there too, and white is considered to be the worst. But it's still 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, you know, whatever.
1: It's a pretty good pretty good rank.
0: Yeah. And blue, it stars Juliette Benoche, and she plays a woman who uh her husband and daughter are killed in a car crash that she's into. And so she's kind of like left as the, the lone survivor. And the whole movie is her just sort of like dealing with that. And they do some interesting stuff. I mean, basically the the story is that her husband is a world-renowned composer. Mm-hmm. And there's some speculation that perhaps she is actually the real composer of this music. And, you know, he's he takes all the credit for it. And... Uh, so th- so, there's that kind of going on in the background and everything, too. But, but basically, it's just about her dealing with the fact that her family has been killed. And mm-hmm. it's like really heavy, you know, really, really, I guess, depressing and, and stuff like that and, and kind of a, a tough sit in that regard, but very good. So White, which I watched almost immediately after, is very different in terms of tone Uh, Like it's a, it's, it's more of a comedy actually kind of dark humor, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's about a guy who is basically, he's being divorced by his wife, who's played by Julie Delpy and he's Polish and he decides to go back to Poland and you know, like the way he does it is to basically go in a suitcase and, you know, all this stuff. It, it's at times it gets like rather broad with its humor, which is kind of weird. And they, they do like take place in the same continuity. Like I, I saw, like I saw in the credits, they're like Julie Delpy in blue. And I'm like, where is she? I missed her. How How did I miss her? <laughs> And then, like, White starts up, and they're in, like, a courthouse, and there's, like, this whole sequence in a courthouse in Blue, and I actually went back to Blue, and I'm like, let me rewatch this scene again, and sure enough, there's, like, the main character, this guy, and Julie Delpy, and they're just kind of, like, in the background, Right, and mm-hmm. you hear like like at one point Julia Benoche like walks into a courtroom, and you hear like someone like saying something, and it just that it doesn't have anything to do with her story. And then in white, you see that scene play out, and then you see her come into the room, and, you know, and then just like uh. leave, you know. So there's that sort of like kind of you know cross connection stuff, like it doesn't right. have anything to do with the story. But this is another story, which is happening concurrently. Right.
1: So the idea being that like everybody's got a story going on, and you might walk right past somebody who has their
0: own really interesting right uh, tale to tell. That's I'm cool. sure. I'm sure that I've already seen the the people from Red, you know, probably a couple times without knowing it. But yeah. you know, so yeah. I, <laughs> I I was thinking like after Blue I was like that's good and, and all I don't know if it's as great as everyone says it is but with White I was like this is going to be the one for me I mean come on Julie Delpy this is this is going to be the best I I'm, I guarantee it and uh, it wasn't I mean <laughs> it's not terrible or anything like that but it really is a lesser movie like I liked the idea that they did uh, essentially a comedy with it but you know, it really focuses on this guy and Julie Delpy's character is really kind of just, like, she's the motivation for all of this, but she's way off to the side, like in a different country for the majority of the movie and everything. And I just didn't really care about this dude too much. And then they do some weird stuff where you're like, "Uh, okay, this guy's a little, I don't know, you know? So in the end, this one I would say is not nearly as good as blue, but interesting. Yeah. See, it's, I,
1: I really want to see it. I, I, you know, I should, I guess I should watch all three and with red coming up, maybe I'll play catch up or whatever, but uh this is the one where the trailer is actually him like chasing his friend with a bottle and then just falling down on the ice and laughing. Isn't that, that's yeah, like that the
0: happens whole in that trailer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's like, I, I remember watching that and saying, "Okay, this is either going to be like really like wow, foreign yeah. cinema is so cool, or oh my gosh, foreign cinema is inaccessible."
0: So. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely accessible, but uh, yeah, I don't know, it's 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 a little uneven, but um, you can f- watch them all right now on the Criterion Channel, which is good. Oh, so, okay, well that's yeah. good to know. Yeah.
1: Is that available in Canada? <laughs>
0: I don't know. And, you know, you think it would be because uh, they speak French up there. So I don't know. We'll we'll just have to ask uh, Brandon (laughs) about that one. But who knows? I'm guessing that Brandon probably has it anyway because I'm sure it's part of the Criterion collection. And I know he's got a lot of those. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's true. We'll ask him when he's eventually on the show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So, that was uh, number 15. Now, moving way up to number three this week with $15.8 million is City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold. hmm Did you watch yep. this movie?
1: Oh, I saw it in the theater mm-hmm. and I re-watched it. Okay. Uh,
0: it must yeah, be really good.
1: Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I was trying to anticipate you. Mm-hmm. And we, when we had discussed last week, I said, oh, yeah, he's got to go for this. He's got to go for City Slickers, too, uh, because I laughed last week talking about City Slickers, too, and saying, I can't wait to find out. But no, you didn't. So I I gamed myself um, and I can. Uh, OK, you've seen the first City Slickers, right?
0: Yes, I saw it for the first time last year.
1: OK, so City Slickers is about a guy having a midlife crisis Who goes out on uh, a cattle drive with his two best friends in the world and they meet a colorful character played by Jack Palance uh, or Palance, however you want to pronounce it, who won an Oscar for the role. Yeah, I remember remember watching that. And he learned on that ride, you know, you got to find out that one thing that's important to you, that Mm -hmm. one thing. And that's the whole message of the movie. Is it, it's not really about how successful you are or how big your house is or the car that you have. It's about what's important. What is that one thing that defines you? So regardless of whether you like the movie or not, it's a good message, right? The material world is fleeting. And what's important is that which gives you life and sustains you.
0: Yeah. I suppose that's a good message wrapped in a really, really boring package. Again, whether you like
1: the movie or not. <laughs> The
0: message is sound. Okay. Message is fine. Yeah.
1: Now, City Slickers 2, I saw in the movie theater uh, when it came out, and was amazed because it is the classic case of a sequel that should not have been made, and uh, all of that good message from the first one, it crumples it up and throws it out and says, no, it it really is about uh, success and fortune. That is what should motivate you. And that is what the great thing is. They go so far as to uh, create because spoilers, Curly dies in the first one. And you find out that Billy Crystal is tortured by uh, nightmares, that Curly is still alive or coming back from the dead.
0: Does this allow Jack Palance to make a cameo in this movie? Oh, not a cameo, Mike. Not a cameo. Oh, Jack Palance comes back as Curly's
1: twin brother. Oh my God! Yes, yes, he does. Yes, he, he does. Did, did he win
0: an Oscar for this one too? Oh no, he didn't. <laughs> I I would say that uh, this most
1: assuredly is why we didn't see Mister Palance in many films afterward. Okay. Um, it was, uh, and they and they went so far as to replace Bruno Kirby with uh, John Lovitz. Okay. Yeah. And so the whole thing is about they find a treasure map and uh, Curly's brother comes and finds them and they go on a treasure hunt. They find out that the treasure is not real, that it was uh, part of a venture that Curly was developing with the guy who ran the cattle drive in the first one. I'm spoiling the whole ending, but trust me, you should thank me for this. Nobody should go see this movie. They find out that the treasure is fake. And, uh, so, okay, well, I guess the real thing is we got fooled by the gold. We got gold fever and it really is. yaha. Yes. That we spent time together and we love each other. That's great. Until the very end when Curly shows back up while Billy Crystal is waiting in his hotel room for a, uh, dinner with his wife to make up for lying to her about where he was going. And, um, It ends with them saying, can't you hear the gold? Come and get me. Come and get me. Come and get me. Ah, and it ends. And obviously, they expected there was going to be a City Slickers 3. You'll notice there isn't. And that is because City Slickers 2 is so bad. It's just as bad as I remember. It's just as soulless. I I, I suppose there's a meta read where it's like the whole thing is about a soulless money grab. And that sort of defines the motivation for the movie. Mm -hmm. So, points to them but what's interesting is i did a little bit of research on this because i've always been puzzled why didn't bruno kirby come back and because he was he was you know if you liked the first one you liked bruno kirby he he had a a funny character he was the the uncouth jerk and does uh, does john
0: lovitz play the same character or is he just no okay yeah
1: no he plays billy crystal's 'er ne'er-do-well brother Mm, okay who I, I don't know if they left this in there to um, troll Bruno Kirby uh, or whether it was supposed to be what his character did when he was going to be in the movie. But John Lovitz's character is obsessed with wait for it The Godfather Part Two, which, if you remember, featured Bruno Kirby uh, as a young Clemenza in the flashback scenes. Hmm. And so there are constant references to Godfather Part Two, made by John Lovitz, who's taking the place of a guy who was in The Godfather Part II. Yeah. Doing a little more digging. Uh, the, the, there's nothing confirmed, but there's an interview with Crystal that supports the theory that there was some sort of falling out with Bruno Kirby, possibly about how much money he wanted to come back and do City Slickers 2, possibly about ego, possibly a little bit of both, but apparently he and Billy Crystal had a falling out and you'll notice on uh, Bruno Kirby's filmography, he hits city slickers and then there's a very different tone to his career afterward. A lot of, a lot of direct to video work, a lot of flops. Apparently the, the story that's supported by pieces of circumstantial evidence um, is that Billy Crystal essentially blackballed Bruno Kirby for whatever happened between City Slickers and City Slickers 2. Yeah, well, something I'm, personal happened
0: between them. You know, I mean, Billy Crystal, like he was the host of the Oscars at that time. You can't, you can't mess with him. He, he controls Hollywood, right? But still kind of a jerk thing, if true. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. So, I'm just saying you can't mess uh, yeah. with him.
1: I guess, but uh, I guess Bruno Kirby did. Um and uh, I, I but I can tell you that uh,
0: you mess with the bull from that trailer and you get the horns.
1: That's right. That's right. But yeah. the 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 great thing is that uh, he was not in City Slickers too, so it will never be his filmography. The late great Bruno Kirby. So he wins so, in the end. Essentially, yes, because I mean, City Slickers Two is so so awful. It is. It's you know what the experience is sort of like watching Superman Mm four where it starts off and it doesn't start off good or great, but it starts off like treading water and you're like, okay, the first half hour or so you're like, uh, you know, let's see where this is going. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. And then it just goes into full on nosedive for the rest of the movie. And you're just sort of in awe all the way to the end as you say, I can't believe this got finished, you know, edited, printed, and sent out to theaters.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, it sounds like it has some issues. I mean, I don't know. Like, the first one is a movie which I would never, ever watch on my own. The, The only reason why I watched it was because we, my family does these movie nights where we, for some reason or another, let people pick movies. (laughs) <laughs> and my mom picked city slickers and uh it was not good but you know <laughs> what i watched it and now i never have to watch it again but like i remember like when the oscars you know were 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 televised that year and jack palance won and i remember thinking like wait a minute here, the, not, and I was just like a, a little kid at the time who didn't watch movies, but I'm like, none of this makes any sense. Like, City Slickers is nominated, and it won, and now this guy who's like really old is up on stage doing one-handed push-ups, mm-hmm. and like, I don't understand anything which is going on here. And then when they made a City Slickers 2, I'm like, well, that seems weird that they would make a sequel to this Oscar-winning you know movie. Uh, but yeah, apparently you know, their luck their luck ran out. And if you recall, uh,
1: the next year on the Oscars, um, after Palance did his very famous one armed push ups on stage, mm-hmm. um, the uh, uh, Billy Crystal hosted again, and Jack Palance pulled Billy Crystal riding a giant statuette, you know, mock up of the statuette, pulled him on stage with like a rope in his teeth. I'm sure you can look and find it online or whatever, but it extended the joke um, to the next year. Okay.
0: Well, it sounds vaguely familiar, but uh, yeah. And of
1: course, the big conspiracy theory for years, because the winner of Best Supporting Actor then announced it, or I don't know if this still happens, but at the time announced... The winner of Best Supporting Actress the following year.
0: Yeah, they they dropped that tradition this year and pissed everyone off. So I'm sure that it's going to be back next year. <laughs> so.
1: And Palance is the one who announced Marissa Tomei yeah. for her supporting role in My Cousin Vinny. And the conspiracy theory was that he screwed up. Yeah. And they wanted to save face, so they never corrected the error. Here's the thing I know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, go on, please. Marissa Tomei winning best supporting actress, not nearly as crazy as Jack Palance winning best supporting actor for City Slickers. Granted, <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. yeah, I was there was no way that I was ever going to watch this movie, and uh, you're proving why so thanks
1: yeah and it's just a classic case of i burned myself i was hoping against hope that that you were going to do it and so i was gonna be like
0: yay we can both
1: talk about it and i can laugh about how much mike suffered but instead <laughs> i just suffered so the moral of the That's story is I'm. Stu- yep i'm dumb mm. that is the moral of the story mm. yeah
0: well 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 <laughs> there is another movie that came out this week Yes. Uh, Number one at the box office with $22.7 million. And, oh, I'm sorry, we forgot to mention City Slickers Rotten Tomatoes rating. Do you want to guess what it is? City Slickers Uh, 2?
1: I know that it is 18%.
0: Yes, it is. Yes, it is.
1: And I think that's generous. I I want to find the 18% out of a hundred people that uh, liked this movie because yeah. I want to shake their hands. Cause I don't understand them.
0: Maybe my mom is one of them. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Possible.
0: This movie that was number one at the box office, it had 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. And that movie is speed mm-hmm. by Jan de Bont. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you watch this movie? You know I did. I know you I did. I had to go back and watch it. Yeah, and you know I did, right? Yes, I do. Did you see this in the theater?
1: You know I did, of all course. All right,
0: all right. So, so you want to tell people what it's about? Yes, it's about a bus whose speed
1: can't go below a certain speed, and if the bus's speed goes below a certain speed, it'll blow up. Yeah. I think it's called The Bus That
0: Couldn't Slow Down. <laughs> Is that a Simpsons reference? You know it is. Okay, that's why you know I it didn't is. know about it. Although, actually, yeah. I think I, I I have heard that before. But like most Simpsons references, they go over my head. Sacrilege. Yeah, it happens. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, this is a movie... Okay, you, you saw it in the theater. I did. I did. So, what was that like? Because I missed it by like a year or two. So... So so let's 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 take it back to 1994, yeah. June 10th,
1: 1994. Did you see it back.
0: opening weekend?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that I did, um, because that's what I did. Was I, you know, other friends were going out partying. I went to movies. Oh yeah, and that's the, um, that's, that's what yeah, I do. I saved a lot of money that way, actually. To be honest,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> ticket prices were way cheaper back then.
0: But, I was just um, I was just talking to know, my boss because you know, well the new. Uh, Godzilla movie just came out, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, we were talking about Godzilla, and we were talking about the 1998 Godzilla, and I'm like, hey, you wanna you wanna hear something depressing? I uh, went to see Godzilla on my senior ditch day for my senior ditch day. I'm so sorry. It's it happens, but yeah, you know what can you do anyway? So what were we talking about? But but that's that's how we roll, right? That's how we yeah. go. So. Oh, yeah. No, I, I got burned by, uh, by the 1998 Godzilla as
1: well. We mm-hmm. all did. We all did. Yeah. Um, okay, so Speed, and this, this is the funny thing, is Keanu Reeves by this point is a name. He's not a huge megastar territory yet, but he's a name. People know Keanu Reeves. And, you know, he's had some hits. You know, he had Bill and Ted, and uh, the Point Break had come out by this point, right? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, he's he's had some hits. You know, he's had some solid stuff. But he's always been, you know, from Bill and Ted's is how you regard him. And so, you know, oh, it's a new action movie starring Keanu Reeves with a buzz cut. And everybody was like, okay, this I got to see. This is, this is probably going to suck. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. And it was this It was this weird sigh of relief in the theater of everybody saying, what well, this is actually pretty good. I, yeah. I, I kind of like this. And so that, that was basically the reaction it was like everybody walking out of the theater surprised and impressed that, uh, there was, there was a good movie, uh, action movie and, you know, it became a hit as a result. Um, I have a friend, uh, Joey, who I mention all the time, who his theory was that speed became number one at the box office because, in his mind, it was released when nothing else was out. My counter is that if certain movies which had been released in the weeks prior performed the way they were supposed to, speed would have been facing tougher competition so yes, it benefited from the fact that other movies that were supposed to be sustainable blockbusters fizzled out very quickly um but that you know yeah, it played to its advantage, but at the same time. It earned the number one. It was it was the best movie that came out that week,
0: hands down. Better than City Slickers too. Oh, so much better! Mm. It's ridiculous. Well, you know, I mean, I don't know. I I I, th- I think that you know it, it is because it was the best. You know, I mean, like it was it opened up big because yeah, it's an action movie and everything like that, and maybe it opened up bigger than you would expect. But, I mean, it didn't open up as big as, like, Flintstones the week before or anything like that. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that everyone loved it. Like, I remember Roger Ebert gave it four stars, right? It's one Mm -hmm. of those things where it's like, this movie is amazing. You have to go see it. And I, I just started listening to this book, you know, Best Movie Year Ever, which is about 1999, and they were talking about, in this case, indie movies, but saying like, you know, it it wasn't a thing where everybody had to make a billion dollars on opening weekend. You could mm-hmm. make $37,000 like Three Colors White did and just nurture that and get it to build and build and build and grow and grow and grow with word of mouth. And they said like, Pulp Fiction was the movie that changed all that with its you know huge opening, and certainly we're talking about a different scale here. But the fact of the matter is, it's it's true, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, Speed was good, and people found out about it, and they went to see it. So it just makes sense, and it is true too that movies were not pulled as quickly as they are now because oh yeah, it wasn't it was much more expensive to put a movie in a theater and, you know, I mean like prints, you know, print costs, let's say 750 bucks, something like that. You know, a studio is not going to give a movie theater a print if the theater is going to just, you know, ditch it as soon as it doesn't do well. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, that stuff is streamed over a satellite. So if a movie doesn't do well, you get rid of it and put in the studio's next movie so yeah. yeah, it was different back then. Things could oh, take it, their time.
1: But but I'm curious, you did not see it in the theater. So your first encounter with it was
0: on home video? Yes, I had to have been 16 or so, and I remember I remember people saying like this movie is good and I was just kind of like starting to get into movies in general, action movies in particular, and um You know, it was one of those things which was just always, it was on the shelf, like on the new releases. They had a billion copies and everything. And for some reason, because, maybe I was only 15, I don't know, but for some reason, because I was only 15 and because I needed to be all cool and edgy and counterculture even then, you know, I said like, I'm never going to go see a Jim Carrey movie or a Sandra Bullock movie because they're like the two pop, most popular people. And But Jim Carrey, it was easy because I had absolutely no interest in watching things like Ace Ventura. They looked terrible. With Sandra Bullock, I think it was just because she was popular and everyone was talking about her. And then when Batman Forever came out, I had to see a Jim Carrey movie because he was in the new Batman movie, so that ruined that. And then, <laughs> you know, when... W- 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 it was weird. <laughs> I, I, I have to give her credit, but I would go over to my Aunt Rita's house to watch movies with her and my cousin, Vicky. She was like the only person in my family who liked movies, like to, to the extent that, you know, they, they would stay on top of things. And you, you know what I mean? Like, I not do. just like, yeah. oh, I'm going to watch a movie once every few weeks. But, you know, she was actively, uh, you know, a, a movie lover. And uh, I used to go over to her house all the time, especially on the weekends, more than anything, just to kind of avoid doing homework and stuff like that. Sure. And one day I was trying to avoid homework. It was a Sunday afternoon and I walked over to her house and I'm like, hey, and she lived right like a block away from Windy City Video, which was the best video store in town. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was just hanging out there and. She's like, you want to watch a movie? And I said, sure. And she's like, what do you want to watch? I'm like, I don't know. You know, there's this movie Speed, which is out. And she's like, oh, everyone's saying that's good. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but it's got Sandra Bullock in it. And, you know, I said that I would never watch a Sandra Bullock movie. And she's like, well, then you're going to miss out on a lot of good movies. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that's true. Well, okay, fine. I guess I'm watching Sandra Bullock movies now. And then I rented (laughs) Speed and we watched it. And it was awesome, and then I became obsessed with Sandra Bullock. So there you go. A
1: lot, of, a lot of us became obsessed with Sandra <laughs> Bullock after Speed. Mike, you're okay. not alone on that. You're not alone in that. And I will say, uh, hails from uh, my neck of the woods, hometown area. Uh, she was from Northern Virginia. Oh, so uh, cool. There was actually a, a, a store that made incredible uh, sub sandwiches uh called the italian store in arlington that had her picture on the wall because she you know she used to go in there and stuff like that Uh. um yeah you know i mean i never met her and i never knew her or anything but like you know there's always a little bit of pride where it's like hey she's from my area yeah good for her um it means that you know if i asked her out maybe she'd consider it because we have so much in common you know (laughs) that's the thinking that happens back then sure sure. yeah (laughs) But, but yeah you know um yeah, I really liked speed. I I liked rewatching it too. It's 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 uh well edited, it's you know, it's tense, it's got a I think it's got a great score. Yeah. Um it obviously looks great. I mean, Jan DeBont is, you know, cinematographer extraordinaire. Yes. you know, he,
0: he, he earned his way up the ladder. Yeah, um for those people who don't know, he photographed die hard yeah. you know, and a billion other I mean, things. Um, Yeah, but I mean, Die Hard, come on. Yeah. And and apparently John McTiernan was offered the movie, but turned it down. And a lot of people were offered the movie. Tarantino was offered the movie. Like, this was like the first big studio, you know, because, I mean, you make Reservoir Dogs and it's like, okay, kid. You know, yep. so be, before when they thought he was corruptible in terms of you know <laughs> doing studio projects or whatever, they were like, yeah. "Here, do you want to direct Speed?" and he said, "No," but and and they they said that, and I had heard that before, but they did say this on IMDb that uh, when I think it was in twenty twelve, I guess it would be he came out with a list of like the twenty best movies made during the first twenty years of his career or something like that. And he had speed on the list, so speed's really good. I, I um, you know, I I didn't go
1: gaga for it as some others did, um, and I do actually uh, know people who didn't think much of it. And I think it's it's biggest its biggest hurdle is its ending. No, its biggest um,
0: hurdle is when that uh, fifty feet piece of the well, highway yeah, is out. okay.
1: Touche. <laughs> uh, but. It's one of those things where it, it the 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 problem I've always had with it is it doesn't seem to know when to end. Like, it just keeps going. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you've misplayed your momentum by the end of it. Yeah. And also, with the big crash scene at the end, the greatest thing is that you can see that there's nowhere for the uh, the subway train to have actually shot out of. And you can see that they just closed a road. And you can see the traffic going on the cross street, like, two blocks down. It's yeah. like... You know, oops, but yeah, you know, whatever. Um, But I mean, Dennis Hopper's a great, you know, crazy bad guy. You know, he taps into a little bit of that manic energy that uh, everybody remembers from Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, it's a fun movie. It's worth seeing. You know, it's, you know.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's really good. I mean, I I do think it does have problems. There's some believability factors and everything like that. But I think, like, the action is really good. And, you you know, I I don't know. It's interesting, too, especially looking at it now in, like, the historical context. Like, this movie, it's only credited to one writer, Graham Yost, who would go on to create, like, Justified and stuff like that. But the movie was ghost written by Joss Whedon to the point that like there are posters out there with Joss Whedon's name on them and stuff. But you know, he 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 lost an arbitration or whatever, but there's even uh quotes from Graham Yost saying that most of the dialogue was written by Joss Whedon. And you can totally see that now, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> kind of oh, yeah. in the same know way that, that you yeah. can see it in X-Men, but also like in the same way that, that you could see it in X-Men, like, you know, there, there's, you, you could tell like people didn't know how to make a Joss Whedon script yet. Right. Like, yeah. like the, 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 one line from, from X-Men, which is, which is in that, that movie that Joss Whedon wrote, right. Is, uh, you know what happens when a toad is struck by lightning the same yeah. thing that happens to everything else, right, or whatever that is, right? Yep. No, that's the line. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like the worst line of dialogue ever, or right? And and like you know because like, it's it's down there because it's like the way, but you know what Whedon has said? He's like, yeah, I wrote that line, but like she says it like you know what happens to a toad when it's hit by lightning the same thing that happens to everyone else, right? But he's like, no, the way it was supposed to go was like, you know what happens to a toad that's hit by lightning? Same thing that happens to everyone else, you know? Right. Like like that Buffy dialogue, or like you see him do, like, I, I, I this would actually be a good exercise. Like some of those, you know, like jokey quips, which are in Avengers, like, have those read in the same way that Halle Berry read that line from X-Men? Like, how would they play? You know? Yep. So, whatever. Anyway, so you can kind of see that here, but not not quite so much. But, yeah, I don't know. Interesting stuff. Like the character, um, the guy from uh, Star Trek Generations and Ferris Bueller, that guy, the tourist. Oh, uh, yeah,
1: Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't care what his name is. I know. I know that that gentleman has a name, but he will always be Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. To me, he'll
0: always be the captain of the Enterprise B, but whatever.
1: I guess I'm showing my age.
0: I don't know. So anyway, that character was originally written as like a like smarmy lawyer guy. And then Mm -hmm. he gets killed like at the end. And people are kind of like, yeah, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. Weedon rewrote it to make it this character, you know, who's much more likable, and then he dies at the end, and people are like, oh, no, you know? And yeah. they kept that characterization, but then they were like, oh, he's too likable, we can't kill him, you know? Yeah. So, uh, it's just kind of interesting to see how that all, you know, but yeah, it's, I don't know, it's interesting for, for lots of reasons, but yeah, and Keanu Reeves this is and Josh and uh, and and Sandra Bullock are great. So.
1: Well, and the thing but the thing is they are great and Dennis Hopper's great, but the guy that really uh, I think steps up to the plate and he's a really valuable guy to have on your cast because he can really uh, you know, he is the definition of a supporting actor in the sense that he makes everything better. It's Jeff Daniels, he's I see him in a movie and I know he is going to bring that energy that just supplements and lifts the whole cast up. Mm-hmm. And this is a prime example of that. And I remember people specifically pointing to him after the movie and saying, "Without him, this movie does not work as well." Yeah. And I think Joe Morton does a great job too. Joe Morton's like one of my favorite actors. And the, hey, we've seen it two Joe Morton movies uh, this year now because he was in the Inkwell. So there oh, you go.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, I think we agree that this is the best of the week.
1: I have not seen Three Colors White, but yeah. uh, it would be hard for it to top it. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm going to go one better and say that this is the best of the year so far. Better than Hudsucker Proxy, I think so. I mean, I like Hudsucker Proxy a lot, but I think this is better.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. Okay. but this this is a movie where you know again the metric. If I'm scanning through the channels and this is on, am I going to stop and watch? Yeah,
0: I would stop and watch Speed. It's enjoyable. All right. Yeah. All right. right. So good week this week for the most part. Uh, Next week, we've only got two movies. But Mm. I guess we'll find out about about them. Yeah. One is Getting Even with Dad. Available on Tubi. If anybody is looking. There you go. Tubi's free, by the way. Yes, it is. Um, And the other? Wolf. Yeah. (laughs) So until then, uh, John, where where can people find you on the internet?
1: Well, gosh, Mike, uh, the name I go by online is Kessel Junkie, and you can find me uh, writing over at KesselJunkie.com. You can find me active over on Letterboxd and Goodreads and... Uh, you can find me here on the network co-hosting a Star Wars show called Aggressive Negotiations with Matthew Rushing. Um, and those are the best ways uh, to uh, to find me. Uh, seriously, just look for Kessel Junkie. You'll find me. Uh, send it to a random email address. That's me. I hope. Uh,
0: but uh, where can people find you online? Well, you can find me uh, on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K. And you can also find me on Trek.fm uh, doing uh, an upcoming show, uh, which will be announced shortly. Uh, and uh, you can also find me on my website, filmdamagepod.com, doing a show called Film Damage. So, I guess that's it for this week. Yeah, that's it. That's it for this week. This was an actual movie that I watched on VHS. And when I finished watching it, I was kind and rewound